This is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Today is Saturday, June 6th, 2020. Welcome to a special edition of Reality Ranch Podcast. This is a two-part series dedicated to exploring the claims that psychedelic drugs are a powerful way to spark spiritual transformation and emotional and physical healing. During this series, I will take you on a journey by sharing the experiences my family and I had when we attended a so-called medicine plant healing retreat near Cusco, Peru in 2018. Since one of the main goals of my podcast is to focus on reality, I feel that this is an important story to tell and I am grateful to my family, my husband Bill and our two sons for their willingness to share their experiences during this period of time. I think most of us who don't accept the religious line on what happens after we die are curious about what the reality is. And I'm no different than that, than those people, those of you out there. I had my own ideas. I looked at what science said and I thought, Part of that was probably true, but I didn't think they had the whole answer, which of course they don't. And I even went as far as this was during my period that I was really exploring the new age metaphysical world, uh, looking at what they had to say. And some of it rang true to me some of it didn't. But I was never completely satisfied by what I was finding. And so I kept searching. I looked online, I went and visited um, psychics. I went to metaphysical bookstores. I listened to metaphysical gurus to see what they had to say. I haunted the metaphysical section of Barnes & Noble for a couple of years, reading different things. I had questions on lots of things, but especially on death and whether other dimensions existed, whether time travel was possible, those sorts of things. And so during one of my visits to Barnes & Noble, I found the book DMT, The Spirit Molecule, written by Rick Straussman. DMT, The Spirit Molecule, a doctor's revolutionary research into the biology of near-death and mystical experiences, was on the cover of this book. And so needless to say, this caught my attention, since this is what I was trying to find out. And um, it's been over 10 years since I read this book. And um, so I'm going to read you on Amazon site the um, the description of this book. It'll give you a good idea if you're not familiar with this book, what it's all about. 
A clinical psychiatrist explores the effects of DMT, one of the most powerful psychedelics known. A behind-the-scenes look at the cutting edge of psychedelic research provides a unique scientific explanation for the phenomenon of alien abduction experiences. From 1990 to 1995, Dr. Rick Straussman conducted U.S. government-approved and funded clinical research at the University of New Mexico, in which he injected 60 volunteers with DMT, one of the most powerful psychedelics known. His detailed account of those sessions is an extraordinarily riveting inquiry into the nature of the human mind and the therapeutic potential of psychedelics. DMT, a plant-derived chemical found in the psychedelic Amazon brew, ayahuasca, is also manufactured by the human brain. In Straussman's volunteers, it consistently produced near-death and mystical experiences. Many reported convincing encounters with intelligent non-human presences, aliens, angels, and spirits. Nearly all felt that the sessions were among the most profound experiences of their lives. Straussman's research connects DMT with the pineal gland, considered by the Hindus to be the site of the seventh chakra and by Rene Descartes to be the seat of the soul. DMT, the spirit molecule, makes the bold case that DMT, naturally released by the pineal gland, facilitates, facilitates the, no, the soul's movement in and out of the body and is an integral part of the birth and death experiences, as well as the highest states of meditation and even sexual transcendence. Straussman also believes that alien abduction experiences are brought about by accidental releases of DMT. If used wisely, DMT could trigger a period of remarkable progress in the scientific exploration of the most mystical regions of the human mind and soul. So you can imagine my um, interest in this book, having not found the mission yet, or any of Billy Meyer's writings, And so I sat down and read this book from cover to cover. And I wanted to have this experience with DMT. So I looked online and did some research and I found some um, centers in South America. And I also found that there were a few places in the U.S. that would um, conduct these ceremonies but they were very expensive. And I also found ethnobotanical websites that would sell the components to make the brew. And I seriously considered doing this, but after uh, more research and a lot of thought, I decided this was probably too risky and that if I was going to experience this, I was going to do it with someone who had experience conducting these types of ceremonies. After um, I decided to wait uh, until I could find someone and maybe even travel to South America, I I kind of put it out of my mind and um, continued on my quest for the truth through my research. And just about a year later, maybe less, I discovered the 
Billy's material. And um, because of this, I ended up going to a retreat in Brazil that Michael Horn held in 2011, I believe. And um, uh, there I met Christian Frenner, and he held a a week-long kind of a workshop where he presented um, the teaching. And during my my, uh, trip there, I met a gentleman um, who was attending some of the work, some of the, the retreat, and he, somehow we got on the subject of ayahuasca and uh, another drug, which I'd never heard of, called Wachuma or San Pedro. And um, he was telling me how he had gone to many, several of these types of retreats and that he felt that the, the drugs helped him quite a bit. And so I was, I was once again intrigued by, by this, and um, I didn't think really to ask Christian about it. Uh, so t- some time went by, and I think around, yeah, it was in 2012, I got an invitation from this gentleman to attend a retreat in Brazil. I think it was Brazil, and I had to regretfully decline this because I was headed for the center in Switzerland around the same time. So uh, once again, this experience was was put off. And uh, while I was still pondering whether I was going to do something like this or not, I would look online every once in a while and look for more information. Um, I heard about, uh, I think I found a conversation on the FIGU um forum about another drug that was being used to help people with um, drug addiction. And I thought that was pretty intriguing. So this was, uh, you can find this contact uh, report 435 on the Future of Mankind website. That's futureofmankind.co.uk. And I'm going to read a little bit uh, from this. It's a long contact. You have to scroll down to uh, number 42. And then right after that, that Patel speaks, and then Billy asks a question. He says, One more question regarding the biblical account of the tree of knowledge. Do you know what kind of tree that was? Patel, We do indeed have knowledge of this, but it says that it is not a real tree as such but a bush tree which was native to the Orient thousands of years ago, but today is only found in the tropical rainforests of West Africa. The native living, natives living there chew the yellow bark as a remedy against fatigue and hunger, although the danger level of the poison is extremely high. There is a bush tree or shrub which I know very well myself and which grows to a height of about two meters, has yellow roots, and a lancelet leaves which are opposite and grow to a length of 14 centimeters. The flowers of the bush tree are white and have pink spots. The inflorescences are umbel-like and the fruits are berries. The plant's poison, a hallucinogen, is ibogaine, which is over a hundred times stronger than LSD you know, which has a similar effect. Ibogaine is not addictive but can be used 
to the contrary, slowly but surely neutralizing any other psychodrug and curing a drug addiction because parts of the brain affected by a psychodrug regenerate. Ibogaine is also helpful in increasing libido, treating impotence, as well as an anti-pain drug, especially for toothache. So this, uh, this uh, contact goes on a little longer. And um, it says that um, as far as the symptoms of the poisoning, um, the root has a very intoxicating and arousing effect and, and causes hallucinations. And is in too large a dose, doses, the poison causes movement disorders and paralysis. So I read this and I thought, hmm, here's another interesting drug that does things um, to help people, as I thought ayahuasca did. And um, I was very intrigued by this. I also looked and I found there are treatment centers. Now, I don't have a drug addiction, but I grew up with a mother with a drug addiction. And um, so I thought it was pretty interesting that um, they had something out there that could help people with that. Fast forward to the year uh, 2018, I was doing um, a booth at a holistic fair and um, a woman walked up to me and introduced herself and she looked like a school teacher. She fresh faced with spectacles on and um, she handed me this brochure about a healing plant retreat in Peru that she was the um, the leader of the retreat so she made all the arrangements and took people over to Peru to so they could experience Wachuma and Ayahuasca and my conversation with the gentleman in Brazil came back to me and I impulsively said I would love to go because I, I want also wanted to see Peru so I I knew that my my family and I had had discussions not only about ibogaine but also ayahuasca. Um, it was also reported that ayahuasca could heal, um, a, you know, depression and um, um, other illnesses. And both of my, well, all three of my sons have struggled with depression and anxiety, and I'm sure they inherited it from me because I have had those challenges in my life. Also, my mother um, struggled with this, as did an aunt, her sister, her only sister. So we decided we were going to go on this retreat. And so I set up, um, paid my our, uh, our down payment to go and kept doing more searching on the internet to see if I could find some more balanced information and I decided you know maybe Figu has something that I can find because everything I was finding was so positive that I thought is there anything that is says talks speaks to the negative so I saw things like that I was looking for something more balanced I was looking for something rooted in reality not belief because one thing I noticed that when I would watch the, there's a lot of YouTube videos and blogs and things on this and people um, who have healing centers all over, there's lots of them now in South America, and they're all saying the same thing, all the things that this can heal. And so um, 
luckily, I did find a question, a reader's question that was published on, I believe it is the, the German Landesgruppe's website. So I have to thank them for putting this up there. Now it is in German, so I did translate this. And I'm going to read you just a portion. I translated it, though, with DeepL. So just on that, that same disclaimer, you know, of course, if you translate anything from German to English, even if you're a skilled translator, which I don't claim to be, um, you there are going to be errors. Um, but I do think that this captured pretty much the, um, it seems pretty clear to me, um, that it captured the the um, the essence of what this this drug and it is a drug is and does so um, I'm going to read to you some about ayahuasca So this is a question that was put to Billy by a reader, and um, he then put the question to Pata. It's a quite lengthy explanation. I'm going to read you a portion of that. You can find the complete uh, German on the Vigu Germany Landesgruppe website. Just Google or, or you know search ayahuasca. <clears throat> By mixing the components of the two plants, Yege and Chakruna, a strong psychotropic substance, a psychoactive substance, a psychotropic, respectively, a mixture containing active substances is created, whereby this active substance influences the human psyche very strongly and causes uncontrollable delusional hallucinations, which are furthermore influenced and controlled by delusional beliefs such as religious beliefs and sex or natural beliefs. The plants, which as already mentioned, are found in the rainforest of South Africa, I'm sorry, South America, and from which the ayahuasca brew is brewed, are also called holy master plants, whereby these are used for ritual purposes. The ayahuasca potion is therefore a combination of the ayahuasca liana and chakruna and a trans brew. The ayahuasca ceremony causes a transformation in the whole human body, which is believed to be a miraculous effect. The corresponding effect of the ayahuasca brew is, however, strongest in the region of origin because the Amazon rainforest, because in the Amazon rainforest, the fresh and active substance-rich plants are directly used for the brew. However, there is no spiritual journey with the ayahuasca brew, nor is there any expansion of consciousness, but only a hallucinatory and physical effect, which can also lead to addiction, damage to consciousness, and psychic disturbances. So there is no high vibrating energy in the body caused by the ayahuasca brew, but the use of the brew clouds the clear thoughts and destroys the personal responsibility and healthy behavior over time. 
Therefore, it is not clear why the drug has been legalized in the civilized world and is freely available for sale. The psychodrug is thus the product of two rainforest plants, which, when used by man, can have many faces because the effects mix with delusions, hallucinations, and reality. So it is to be recommended to weigh up correctly whether the terrestrial human being wants to get involved in an ayahuasca experience because the use of the drug is not harmless, because the hallucinatory effect is indelibly imprinted physically, psychically, and consciously, and in addition, a change of thoughts and feelings, and therefore also of the psyche as well as possibly also of the character, the personality, and the behavior is definitely caused. Those who stupidly, irrationally, and perhaps selfishly hope to get to the bottom of any secrets of life, etc., with the help of ayahuasca brew are mistaken and should be warned, as well as those who irresponsibly try to achieve better and good meditation results with the brew to free themselves from worries and to solve problems. Especially when the person is unstable, the whole thing leads very quickly to serious psychological problems and to dependence. The Incas called the liana vine of the souls, but also whip of the dead, just as these imaginative names of the psychic potion are, so are the false hopes connected to it and the numerous legends and sagas about this mysterious liana and the climbing chakruna leaves. The alleged magic potion is therefore, as I said, especially for unstable people, not recommended, as all psychodrugs are never recommended. And this is also the case when the rainforest Indians on the upper reaches of the Amazon have been using the plant brew for ritual purposes since ancient times and have fallen into the delusional belief that they could talk to spirits in the ayahuasca intoxication. Billy, as far as I know, the hallucinogenic ayahuasca has so far been particularly popular in the New York scene and among hobby drug tourists in the Amazon. But now the drug, which is made from lianas and leaves, is spreading in Switzerland, as well I know. After I read this translation, I was sobered to say the least here we already had our trip booked our deposits paid which were non-refundable and so I talked to the the tour guide because the first part of our trip was a tour to Machu Picchu Oleo Tentembo and we were going to see Cusco and we wanted to do that part, but we were all questioning after I shared this information whether or not we wanted to um, try these drugs. And uh, of course, my my youngest son was more, he's not really someone who studies the teaching and he's very interested in these types of journeys and 
was insisting he still wanted to do it. So I thought, well, if he's going to do it, we can be there with him. San Pedro has been talking to me long before I ever stepped foot here. Uh, San Pedro is not a drug. It's sacred medicine. And when you drink it and when you allow it to work in you, you understand why it's sacred medicine. It teaches us how to heal on all levels. It teaches us that all of us are healers. It connects us to God within us. It connects us to a higher self. One of the truths that kept coming to me is that no one heals anyone else. We heal ourselves. Bill and I were really questioning, but we were curious to see, you know, because we we aren't just going to believe as much as we possibly can, we live in reality and we live um, based on what's really happening in the world. These plants, which can oftentimes be categorized as drugs, um, are far from it. Far from it. This is um, anything that's been here longer than us, for one thing, uh, has much greater knowledge than we do. And it's a tool beyond anything that we can get with reading a book, intellectually thinking things through. It opens a door to what is there all along, but it's a vehicle that allows us to see what we are. We've worked hard on dissolving our beliefs. I'm not saying we're completely there yet. Of course we're not, but we're working on it all the time. was known to San Pedro in the days of this when the Spaniards came about 600 years ago because they didn't allow anybody to drink San Pedro they could be killed if they drank San Pedro so because the Spaniards were very um, they were trying to turn everybody to Catholicism they taught them about all the saints and so when um, the Incas heard about Saint Peter and he had the keys to heaven. They thought, oh, wow, Wachuma is actually St. Peter because Wachuma holds the keys to heaven, so his name is San Pedro. So that's where they changed the name to San Pedro. Bill, what was your impression of the bed and breakfast that we stayed in? When we arrived in Cusco, uh, it was dirty. It was, it was uh, just above a flop house, actually. And uh, it was cold, but we know most of the buildings in Peru are cold because people dress very well, warmly and yeah, wear. They're warm. not heated. And uh, no, they did have some heaters, but they didn't really use them very much. 
There were black, it was black mold on the walls. Do you remember that? And yep, in the bathrooms and in the uh, one first bedroom we stayed in, there was black mold up on the, the ceiling in the corners. Mm-hmm. So we asked to be moved. Correct. So, so they, they moved us. But I remember um, what also struck me, besides the dirt, the filth and the neglect of the place, the hostel we were staying in, was all the psychedelic paintings and they catered to... Um, all the different religions. Did you notice that? Oh yeah. And they sold stones and and jewelry, jewelry that was supposed to help heal you. And remedies and yeah. all kinds of yeah, all kinds of things. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I I don't know if you noticed, but it seemed like they really worshipped that cactus at San Pedro. Do you remember that? Oh how sure. They, how they had the cactus sitting all around, and they had paintings of the cactus. And poems about the cactus, and um, it was like their Saint Peter or something to the Catholics. Yeah, well, that's actually Pedro. Yeah, and <laughs> there's a, there's a a segment in here that talks about that, how the the Catholics, it's not from me, it's from someone else, who talks about how the um, Spaniards um, were trying to convert the Incas, and so they taught, told them about all the saints, and when they told them Saint Peter held the keys to heaven, they went, oh, well, you know, the cactus holds the key to heaven, so San Pedro. So basically, you know, what I realized when we got there and and, and listening to people talk, well, and and the research I did before we went, is this is a very ancient, um, backward, superstitious belief system that they're using... Um, all these magical spells that go along with the um, ceremony that they do. And what was your observation about the other people in the group that, that that we were traveling with? Well, I didn't do as much research as you did about it before we went, so I was pretty open minded about it. But in getting to your question about the people that were in the group they were all lost they had they were looking for the magic bullet answer to getting their life back together mm-hmm. that's what I saw yeah and, and the 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 tour guide that um, had arranged this was telling all of us that she had been healed from cancer right yes by using ayahuasca and one of the promoters if you would said the same thing No, that wasn't an alien invasion. That was Bill's cell phone, in which uh, it interrupted our conversation twice, and I just couldn't really cut it out of the last uh, segment without cutting off his sentence. There, there was trying to. Uh, he was hoping to heal his PTSD. Remember right. the young guy that was there, who had been in the military, uh-huh. and had served in. Afghanistan, I, I think. Where he served. Afghanistan, I think. And um, I mean, he was young. He was probably almost forty, but right. to us, that's young. And um, what did you? Um, and and we noticed that on the walls there were all these celebrities had been there. Do you notice? Oh yeah. Yeah, and people were coming in from all over the world to stay there and go ex- to experience, 
either the Wachuma or ayahuasca ceremony, but most people it seemed like were were there to do the the San Pedro or the Wachuma, from my my impression. Yeah, they and, were, and they were there. They they heard it that it um, created bliss, that you know you could feel love from doing the right the cactus. Op- open doors to new realities and. Right. Oh, how did yeah. how did you feel about um, going up to the retreat center to do the so-called plant medicine? Well, as you know, I was a bit apprehensive about it because of my uh, prior recreational hallucinogenics when I was in my early twenties. And the last couple times I did, you know, what we called blotter acid at the time. It was not fun. It was not. It was very intense. It was very um, destructive to me psychologically. Why? What did it do? What What happened when you did? You didn't have. You mean you didn't have a a um, a psychological breakthrough? You didn't have. No, it was it was uh, uh, very negative. Um, I couldn't wait to. Get, to get off of it, it was uh, it was just very intense and very negative. Uh, don't that's all I can tell you about it. And you know, I swore I would never do anything like that again. Mm-hmm. But this being, I hadn't done any of those two particular, or yeah. taken any of those two particular. You mean ayahuasca or the cactus? Right, or drug. You know, drugs was what they were. Yes. Um. And having read a little bit about it, I was I was okay. I'll I'll try it, just to, you know, see if there was anything there that I was not aware of. negative thought forms all the time you know like fear jealousy hate anger um, those kind of emotions um, that is the energy that we are giving out to the world and therefore that's what we're attracting back to us so we are feeding the negative cells in our bodies and we're making them grow and that's how we get sick so if we um, if we are in the process of San Pedro and it's showing us that we have the choice in that moment as well to understand it truly and release it. And we can be healed like that. It allows us to become the best version of ourselves, without question. And then that's only limited to how big our vision is. I've seen so many miracles. People healed of cancer, maybe in a second. People, uh, you know, that I told you about that girl that lost all her hair and it grew back. Um, whereas the doctor said there was no hope, she'd never have that back. Um, a woman that was in a wheelchair for like I think it was 12 years that actually started walking again. Um, the story of my sister that had a stroke and was like semi-paralyzed on her left side um, after the loss of her son, and she'd walked like that around like that for eight years. And with one San Pedro, um, her, everything started working again. Her, there was no paralysis anymore. And her whole attitude to life changed because she understood that she needed to let go of the pain that she was holding in her heart, which is what caused the paralysis on the left side. And once she was able to release her son, 
um, that was when the paralysis left. And she started another life and she's like living in joy and, and positivity, very happy. Everything changed for her. I've experienced other plant medicines before, but this tends to be a deeper teacher for me. We can become so much more than what we can even dream to think that we are. It's teaching us that we are creators and we are manifestors. What is it we want to create? What do we want to manifest? Do we want to continue living in pain? anger fear or do we want to live in joy and love and abundance and gratitude so that is a choice that san pedro shows us very clearly that we need to make it's up to us nobody else can do it for us we have to do it ourselves So do you remember the tour guide telling us about the Temple of the Moon, which was located just within walking distance of the place where the healing plant, quote unquote, was retreat was being taken? Yeah, I remember. Um, and that they were still practicing human sacrifice there. Yep, sure do. And we were horrified by that. And she said, well... The people are volunteering to do it, so it's basically okay. Yeah. And we're like, well, no, that really isn't okay. That's no. terrible. And then we asked about it when we were there, and they told us that the the authorities had stopped those. There, there was what we were told is there that hadn't happened for a couple of years. Right. And it only happened every now and then, but mm-hmm. it's still. I just figured the people that had volunteered um, were pretty well brainwashed and and drugged out. Yeah, I would think so. And for um, a place that was practicing and so heavily dependent on such an ancient ritual that was opening doors to, you know, the unknown, there sure was a lot of um, Christian, or I'd say Catholic, I Iconic everywhere, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge statues, and um, all the the taxi drivers had their little shrines. Yep. And uh, there was one point where there's a there's a big a big statue of Jesus on a hill, and the taxi driver who was driving us wanted to know if we wanted to go there, and we said no, and he turned around and looked at us and said why. <laughs> he was shocked that we didn't have any interest in stopping at this. And so we figured he wanted to stop. So we said, I'll go ahead and stop. And well, it was a know, good view from the hill. It was a good view, <laughs> really, of, of Cusco. Right. Yeah, and so um, that, I think, is a, was a big clue. Right. Right there, if you observed the culture. And the people were, were so poor, one thing that really struck me was um, the poverty, even though it's a beautiful country and they have amazing clean food because they kicked out Monsanto, I guess. Um, but the people were desperate for money. Yeah, the people were, I mean, the, the poverty was depressing. I mean, it just literally depressed me watching how they lived. 
Um, you know, we'd be walking down the street at night and their, a door would be ajar and it was nothing more than a dirt warehouse and people living in there, you know, huddled around a fire. I mean, it was, it was totally depressing. And I think my impression of the whole ayahuasca uh, tourism trade, because that's really what it was, is it was promoted kind of like Mad Men, you know, did, uh, that it did this, did that, all these promises. Um, and the people kind of went along with it because they brought in money to, for them to live because other than that, they'd be uh, worse off than they already were. Yeah, there were posters everywhere um, talking about the promise of what the San Pedro mainly, right. you know, they kind of kept the ayahuasca, I know, so a little bit lower key, and they focused on the San Pedro or the Wichuma more. Um, but one thing that's really surprised me was, you know, the wild dogs running around. Now, they seem pretty tame, but they, they defecated everywhere. But even, and, it, and even more shocking, though, was the human waste that was everywhere. So people were basically crapping in the streets. Yep, and trash all over the place. Yes. They, they would, there'd be this pristine um, valley and there was just, the rivers were, or streams were just littered with trash. Yes, and they and they were always talking about to the tourists, Panchamama. Yeah. Panchamama this, Panchamama that. Well, Panchamama means Mother Earth. Right. And so they, and so they uh, acted like they cared and that there was this big ecotourism, holistic, healing kind of attitude that was promoted, but then you, you get there. And um, it that wasn't really... I mean, yeah, they had people pr- making promises about what they were going to heal, be able to heal people from. But I didn't get the impression that um, that was the kind of world we'd stepped into. Oh, not at all. And... Uh, uh, I was surprised that other people that were there that had that impression didn't see that also. See it for what it was. See it for what it is. Right. Um, you know, on one hand, you're kind of surprised by that, and on the other hand, you're not, because most people are there um, shopping. You know, the tourists are just shopping yeah, for their little they are. trinkets and their... Yeah, they're, they're seeing the sights and they're, yeah. um, in fact, Machu Picchu is, you, if you even want to see a view that isn't crammed with people, you have to um, get there very early, which we did. Oh, yeah. And the tour um, guide raced us up the hill. I thought you were going to have a heart attack. It was, uh, I <laughs> pretty I in- was too for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, there wasn't really... Uh, you know the pace was not really very realistic. It didn't need that. Didn't need to be that no, way. It was crazy. And the and it it's the ruins are in, are amazing, and and it's beautiful. But yeah, within a half an hour, the whole archaeological site was crammed with people, and they actually even control how many people can go up there. You have to buy your ticket um, at least weeks in advance to be able to go up there, and they take you up there on buses. Right. Or you can hike it. You can hike up there, but that takes quite a while to get that's up there. A four-day hike. hike. And then there's a town right near at the near um, that's been built 
specifically for the tourism up at Machu Picchu called Aguas Caliente. And we, we, had to, we stayed there one night and that was pretty intense. Yep. Not very enjoyable place to be. It really wasn't. No, I couldn't wait to get out of there. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, and, and, and next in the next episode, I'm going to talk about our experience at the actual... The ceremony. The ceremonies. The, the, yeah, that, that went on and what went on and, and what we actually did and experienced. And um, so... I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, the listeners will just have to wonder... What did they do? Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so until next week, um, thank you for listening. This is Reality Ranch Podcast. Salome. I see the term thought leader being used in the media and... I have to smile when I when I see this because the people that are being held up often as thought leaders, I don't think they really have anything uh, valuable to say. A lot of times they are going down the road of delusion. And then you have somebody like Billy Meyer who is writing all these amazing books that will help us break out of our mental prisons and he is not being held up as a thought leader though he is the thought leader in my opinion right now we live in a world of illusion there are so many lies on our planet there are lies about capitalism there are lies about infinite growth that many people are buying into. In fact, most of the world is racing around trying to acquire more and more, more status, more money, bigger houses. And as we evolve in our thinking, we're gonna realize that this is an empty life, that this is not the way we want to live. And so this is going to change everything Eventually, the marketing and the um, things that are we are told that are important to us, we're going to see right through this. It's not going to work. People are going to realize that money is just an idea, and that hoarding the hoarding of resources whether it's uh, clean water or shoes, is pointless and brings no joy and takes us away from what's important. I think people will look at each other and say, what, what have we been doing? This is madness. There's got to be a better way. And... This will happen more and more, and I fear, though, it will be with people standing in the rubble of destruction, because often things need to be destroyed before 
new things can come about. And I wish it wasn't this way, but I, I think that people being where we're at in our evolution, that a lot of times life has to give us a cold slap in the face before we can look around and realize that we are destroying ourselves and we're destroying our planet. And I fear that that won't really happen until it is just unavoidable that this is true. I don't know how long they'll be able to distract us all away from the reality of what's happening to our planet and, and, and how much longer the people are going to believe the lies. But once people start to see reality, then they won't just rely on what's being told to them. They will look at the world and see it for what it is. And that's when everything will change.